Hello, welcome to the Jerry Academy podcast with your host, geriatrician, Dr. Golnir Sharif Saleh, providing you with information on aging-related topics. Learn more at geriacademy.com and follow me on social media. Hello, welcome to Jerry Academy, and this is Dr. Sharif Saleh, our guest today is again Dr. Mackenzie Cannon. She is one of my current geriatric fellows. She wrote a blog on frailty and so we're going to talk about frailty today. How are you Dr. Cannon? Good. How are you Dr. Sharapsala? I am excellent. Good. So um, a couple of weeks ago we got a COVID vaccine. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent. I'm super excited to get my second dose on Thursday. Me too. I'm really excited and I even have a saved vial from the first um, vaccine. So very excited well, to have this part pandemic. Of history. I know, right? Totally part of history. So let's talk about frailty. I think it's pretty important. And I love your blog. Thank you so much for contributing to Jerry Academy. But um, let's start. What? Why were you interested in writing about frailty? So I think frailty is super interesting. And it's something that we as geriatricians can intervene on and maybe reverse some of the things that happen. Because as we get more frail, we become more dependent on people and we have to have a little bit more help. So any geriatrician, their goal is to keep their patients as functional and, and as independent as possible. So I think combating frailty is a big step in that. Right. So we know that, you know, frailty is recognized as a geriatric syndrome. Mm -hmm. It's chronic, it's progressive, and it really is an age-related decline in physical function and reserve and just multiple systems. So how, what are some ways that frailty can be manifested? So it can be manifested throughout the entire body. You look for a decreased strength, decreased balance, more falling, people not wanting to eat so much. So they have decreased nutrition, not taking in good protein. And then they might have some poor thinking skills. They might not be able to connect two things together that they used to be able to. And then, a big thing that we see the most is mobility and endurance. So people that could walk a mile now can barely make it across their house. And then there's a decrease in physical activity. So they might just want to sit around all day and not do much of anything. How common would you say frailty is? It's pretty common, right? It's very common. It's actually almost as common or is as common as Alzheimer's disease. So 7 to 12% of patients age 65 and older have frailty. And then it jumps dramatically. So patients that are age 90 and above, 40% of them are frail. And a big thing that I think we've been focusing on is that women have an increased risk of developing frailty. And then something I didn't know before I started doing research on frailty, African-Americans have a two times greater risk to become frail than Caucasians. Well, that's a pretty um, significant, significant statistic. <laughs> Sorry about that tongue tied. But um, how about like thinking about frailty as a concept, right? Um, if we think about frailty as a concept, um, this is at higher risk for stressors such as infection, hospitalization, surgery. I always think about frailty as, and I hate to put it this way because it is so stereotypical, but a little old lady mm -hmm. um, kind of hunched over with a walker taking like shuffling and taking a few steps, you know, with thick eyeglasses. Like mm -hmm. that is what I see frailty as, but that's not necessarily not it, right? Right. 
So frailty can be as simple as just a decreased walking speed. So as you as we age, we might get slower when we walk, which might lead to more falls. And then something I think is really interesting with frailty is there was a new journal in the American Geriatric Society that found that older adults had a higher risk of death when they suffered from frailty, depression, and loneliness, which is a big deal now with the pandemic going on. We've seen a lot more loneliness, depression, and then as a result, people are getting more frail and having to come to the hospital more frequently. Yeah, I, I've seen that too. So there's different types of frailty, right? We define frailty in a couple of ways, right. primary frailty and secondary frailty. Can you talk to us a little bit about primary frailty? So primary frailty, the core concept of this is wrapped around low um, lean muscle mass. So the low muscle mass can be caused by many different things, a reduced ability for the body to produce certain hormones like we talked about in the things that happen as we age in our last podcast. Also, you worry about decreased exercise, so you're not getting as much lean muscle mass because you're not exercising as much. Advanced age, you lose muscle mass as you age, and then poor nutrition that we talked about, especially we talked about that in the aging podcast that we lose some of our taste buds. Yeah, you're right. Um, I think if anyone hasn't listened to the aging podcast, it's an excellent podcast to listen to. And you can also read the blog if you don't want to listen to the podcast. But some of these hormones you were talking about, right, for women, it could be like estrogen. Mm -hmm. For men, it could be testosterone. Those are some of the hormones that are affected um, as we um, lose those hormones. We start to um, develop this frailty syndrome. So how about secondary frailty? So secondary frailty is a combination of multiple diseases that creates the overall picture of frail. Like you talked about that little lady that was hunched over. So secondary frailty is the most common because we see as we age, we get more diseases and we might, our hypertension might not be as well controlled. Our diabetes might not be as well controlled. So certain disease states such as like severe heart failure, kidney disease, severe COPD, uncontrolled diabetes and advanced cancer can lead to the overall picture of secondary frailty. And um, most of these conditions that we talked about, like diabetes, hypertension, um, they can be controlled or prevented by just doing some healthy lifestyle choices. Yeah. And you know, when we talked about aging in the last mm -hmm. podcast, we talked about how we can um, really prevent some of the changes that occur with aging when we change our behaviors right. earlier, right, in our 30s, 40s, and 50s. And so if we control our diabetes, if we stop smoking, mm -hmm. if we make sure to take our heart medications, um, eating better, we can um, prevent some of these diseases. And when we know that a combination of these diseases increases our risk of developing frailty syndrome, as we control and prevent each of these diseases, then we're less likely to lose that independence and develop frailty. Right. Uh, it's all kind of like a full circle. It right? is. It's a global approach to caring for yourself, which is the way geriatricians address healthcare. So now let's kind of talk about some signs of frailty because, you know, men and women just have different signs of frailty, right? right. So let's let's talk about our hunched over little frail old lady, right? This is the stereotypical picture that I have. But how do women sometimes um, show to be frail? So, you know, like you said, we're used to seeing that little lady who's hunched over, but that is frailty at a later point. So if you want to intervene on frailty, one of the first 
signs could be incontinence. In really? Way. Yeah. Yeah. There's multiple reasons to have incontinence. I mean, we've both had babies. We know that we're probably going to have incontinence in the future because we've carried our wonderful little miracles into the world. But you worry about incontinence with older females because it can lead to decreased walking speed. And then they're trying to get to the bathroom so quickly, it could lead to decreased falls, which is another sign of frailty, having multiple falls. Well, you mean like increased falls, right? Yes. Yes. Increased. That's what I meant. <laughs> no, it's okay. I feel. <laughs> oh, so um, one of the things for with incontinence too that I noticed is that that gotta go feeling mm-hmm. and we may actually be experiencing that earlier on as women right so we may have that in our 50s or early 60s but yes we're able to go to the bathroom frequently and because now we're having decreased walking speed and not making it to the bathroom that's where our accidents come from. But, you know, there's these other reasons for incontinence too. And uh, we should definitely do a podcast, I think, on incontinence. It's really important. Um, And I just to kind of go off of the frailty scale really quick, but I think a lot of people don't talk about incontinence. And so for patients, sometimes providers aren't asking about incontinence. Mm -hmm. I know I sometimes forget to do that. But for patients to make sure to bring that up because that way their uh, physician or healthcare provider can make sure to address, oh, is this a possible sign of frailty or is this some Mm -hmm. other type of incontinence that we need to address, you know, and intervene with? And, you know, I actually worked with a urologist earlier this year. And when we get older, our bladder, our capacity gets smaller. So we feel like we have to go to the bathroom sooner. So that's why as we age, we might have to go to the bathroom a little bit more often. Yeah. And then sometimes, again, we'll talk about this, just structural changes that happen with the bladder um, can cause um, incontinence Mm -hmm. and then also increase risk factors for uh, urinary tract infections. Right. So how about in men? How can frailty maybe show in men? So frailty probably will show first in men by decreased walking speed or decreased strength. So you might see them shuffling a little bit more, not picking up their feet, maybe taking a little bit longer to get up out of the chair and walk to the kitchen or walk to the bathroom. So it's a little bit more noticeable maybe in the men than the women who might kind of hide their incontinence because they're embarrassed. Yeah, you know, um, a few months ago, I, well, I guess it wasn't just a few, it was a little more than a few months ago. Um. I think it was around January or February, I was visiting my parents and my dad was helping me carry a piece of furniture. And for the first time, I noticed that he wasn't as strong as he mm-hmm. used to be. Right? And I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that. And for the first time in my life, I thought, oh, my father is aging and mm-hmm. it was really difficult to deal with. So sometimes, you know, just being aware of our loved ones and how they're changing and how they're able to do things, right? Right. Picking things up, um, transferring, walking around. If we're aware of that, then we can actually intervene. Mm -hmm. But if we're not paying attention to those things, then we may miss that our loved one is aging and and potentially miss signs of frailty. So um, when you and I evaluate patients for frailty in our office, um, I think, you know, we have certain tests and certain Mm -hmm. questions that we look at. And a big part of our evaluation involves uh, history taking, right? right? Because for some people, um, how they used to uh, function 10 years ago 
is going to be a lot different than for others. But geriatricians, we are so good at recognizing signs of frailty, Mm -hmm. right? We evaluate frailty by performing this thing called a comprehensive geriatric assessment, where we take a history, we look at independence, dependence, functional state, we review everybody's medications. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a blog on, am I taking too much medicine? We look at fall history. There's also a blog on fall history. I think we need to do a podcast on these topics, but we review multiple disease states. We perform a very comprehensive physical examination. And sometimes when we're evaluating an older adult, this can take us up to two hours, right? right, In our office, which we have the luxury to to do that as geriatricians, right? But um, what are some of the other ways that um, our colleagues let's say physical therapy or other healthcare providers are looking at frailty. So something that I think is really interesting is if you look at the shoe pattern too, to see how the patient might be walking, it might be a little different. And then we look at weight loss. If you've had, you know, everyone always wants to try to lose weight at the beginning of the new year. That's the number one new year's resolution. But if you've had unintentional weight loss, so more than 10 pounds in one year, that might be a sign of frailty. And then inability to perform your daily tasks due to exhaustion. You know, you just can't get up and do is something that I always hear. Now, in the South, that's what we say. I don't know about in the North, but that's what I always hear. And then decreased walking speed. We talked about that with the incontinence. And then decreased activity level just, again, just has no energy, doesn't really want to get up and do anything. And then weakness. A good measure of this is doing um, decreased hand strength. Our physical therapist has a strength tester for the hands and then we can also do a time get up and go test where you sit in a chair have to get up walk around and come back our physical therapists are excellent at that and we really look at that based on your sex not your age and then uh, when we're looking at somebody getting up right we're looking at whether they're using their arms to help themselves Mm -hmm. come up we're looking at whether they are kind of shaking as they're getting up we're looking at how quickly they can walk. Uh, We also look at the way they're turning. Mm -hmm. So all of those things are very specific things that that cue us. Um, And we we don't sometimes just look at walking speed in terms of frailty either. Sometimes we're looking at it in terms of other disease states too. Right, like decreased arm swing. Yes. You know, as women age, their stance gets a little bit wider and they wad a little bit more. Men, as they age, their stance gets a little bit skinnier and they kind of shuffle a little bit. So it's really good to see how a patient's able to ambulate and walk throughout the clinic to see, you know, they might be a risk at risk for falling because frailty does put you at a higher risk for falling. Yep. So then when we look at um, these measures, mm-hmm. Um, in the hospital, and I mean, there's something called the clinical frailty scale. It's um, pretty awesome. We use it, but it, it's like a scale that looks at a patient if they're very fit, if they're, you know, well, people who have no active disease symptoms. Um, we look if they're managing well, we look at how vulnerable they are, their level of independence versus mm-hmm. dependence. And I think, uh, People sum that up into just two words, but for a geriatrician, independence and dependence means a lot, yes. right? So let's uh, talk a little bit about independence and dependence, right? Mm-hmm. So independence to, dis- to dependence is a spectrum. So if you go on our blog, you can actually look at this chart that we created. So completely independent means a person can take care of themselves without any help from others. Um, so as we age and we go down this 
this chart on our blog, we might need some help with things like laying out medications, like putting them in the pillbox, driving or managing finances. And then later on, our family and friends might notice frailty signs like we're slowing down and we have decreased activity. So as we continue down this line, we might need help with more basic activities like dressing, bathing, walking, moving around, and possibly even feeding ourselves in the late stages. So as we get more medical problems, we start going down this path. But luckily, if we kind of reverse some of these frail, some of these signs of frailty and try to keep our disease processes in line, we might not have to go all the way down the spectrum. Right. So severe frailty increases the risk of death. Yes. And um, when we talk about um, those basic functions in the medical term, we refer to it as activities of daily living mm -hmm. and also instrumental activities of daily living. As an older patient starts to have trouble with instrumental activities of daily living, mm -hmm. like you mentioned, driving, managing finances, those that should start to cue us. Um, that something may be wrong. Why are they having difficulty managing some of those things? Mm -hmm. And then as, you know, one of the first functions that people have difficulty with is um, bathing. They might um, not feel comfortable getting in the bathtub because they're afraid they're that they're going to fall because mm -hmm. they're afraid they may not be strong enough. And if we look at that, you know, I've, I've asked my mom before, like, so how often are you taking a bath and mm -hmm. how is it getting into the bathtub? And, you know, I don't think children generally ask their parents or spouses generally ask, <laughs> ask each other, I say, so tell me how easy it is to get into the bathtub. <laughs> and um, do you think you need a chair in there? You know, and I ask my mother these questions and, you know, I think she understands she's a medical person, but uh, yes, it can be kind of awkward, but I think it's important, think right? It and then also to ask, are you having any difficulty dressing yourself, pulling, um, the, you know, shirts, sweaters off and on? Um, are you having difficulty bending over mm -hmm. to tie your shoelaces or just, just putting your shoes on? Or even some people who need like compression stockings, they may not be putting them on because they just can't. They, they can't. physically cannot do that. Um, and so not shaming them because they're not following right. what they need to do, but really trying to get to the point, like, why are they not able to? Is it just a matter of intervening and getting them the help that they need so that they can get some of that independence back? Right. And so, yeah, so don't worry. There is hope, right? Mm -hmm. When we want to intervene, we can definitely... Uh, do some things to reverse some of these signs of frailty or also do things a little bit better. One of the things that um, we can do is uh, make sure we exercise, right? Addressing our diet. And another thing is not just working with physical therapy, but also working with occupational therapy, mm -hmm. right? So let's say an individual is having um, difficulty tying their shoelaces or eating because of um, a, uh, a defect, something that has happened, you know, let's say like rheumatoid arthritis, mm -hmm. an occupational therapist can definitely help in creating utensils or making sure the patient has adequate utensils to maintain that independence. Right. Um, what are some of the ways that we can um, prevent frailty? So some of the ways we can prevent frailty is, like you said, keeping active. There was actually a new study that showed you increase your steps by just a thousand steps a day, 
which is about 10 minutes of activity, this could prevent frailty. And then for the best results, like you said, you want to use strength, but you also want balance and flexibility. Because like we said, poor balance might be another sign of frailty. So there's actually this great workout to go um, hyperlink on our blog on our blog that the National Institute of Aging at the NIH has, and it's free. You can download it, and it's wonderful. It has all these great exercises you can do at home with minimal equipment. And then keeping up a good diet. So there's studies that suggest that the Mediterranean diet can help prevent frailty as well. And we also included a hyperlink on our blog about the Mediterranean diet from the American Heart Association. Um, and then keeping medical issues under control, mm -hmm. right? Making sure you're following up routinely. Um, one of the things that physicians can do, and it's, it's called chronic care management. Mm -hmm. And most older patients qualify to have chronic care management uh, where uh, it's more like a check-in, like how are you doing with your chronic medical problems? And it's something that Medicare um, actually promotes right. providers to do these chronic care management mm -hmm. um, visits. And so they don't even need to be like visits in person. They can be virtual visits too, right? right? I think that's kind of where we're heading now, but really making sure that chronic disease states are under control. And keeping, you know, making sure you're following up on all your cancer screening. So the annual Medicare wellness visit that you get after age 65 is free to you. Medicare pays for it. Yeah. And we run through <clears throat> all of these things. Have you been, have you had colonoscopy? Are you still in need of if you're a woman, a pap smear or a mammogram. And then for men, if they've ever smoked, if they have the an enlarging of the big blood vessel in their stomach, it's always good to make sure you have all your preventative things checked off too. That's right. Because, you know, I think like colon cancer, like cervical cancer, mm -hmm. these are cancers that are curable. Right. Like for the most part, if caught early enough, mm -hmm. you do not have to die from these cancers right. if they are detected early early enough. Mm -hmm. um, and even, you know, for some of the younger um, listeners, you know, if you've had a family member that had colon cancer, for example, I would say you need to talk to your healthcare provider about probably er earlier screening. Right. They, they actually recommended, you know, you used to hear colonoscopies at age 50. Now they're recommending them at 45 to start out. I wonder if we need to talk to a gastroenterologist about aging related gastroenterology topics. What do you think? I'm sure I know a good one. I think I know a good one too. We'll reach out to them. What else? Do you have anything else you think we need to talk about, Frailty? I think it's just a big concept that we need to constantly be working towards trying to prevent or, you know, intervene early. So the big thing for, you know, patients, um, children of patients is to be on the lookout for these subtle changes that might take some time to notice, but once you notice them, they're big changes. Yeah. You know, I think one of the complaints we hear a lot of is I'm always tired. I'm mm -hmm. always exhausted. And sometimes when we talk to our patients, especially when they're in their nineties, right? right? We talk to our patients and and even helping them understand like, well, you have chronic lung disease and you have chronic heart disease and these are uh, these conditions are contributing to your exhaustion, but at least we're aware. And um, oftentimes we're sending people for physical therapy just, right. just for balance and walking and getting stronger just to maintain um, their independence and try to delay the frailty process, right. right? And something that I heard that has really stuck with me, you know, 
as we age and as our parents age and they might not be able to do some of the things that they used to be able to, you know, we, we don't need to get upset or, you know, frustrated because imagine how frustrated they are that something that they could do a year or two ago, they can't do now. So we always got to keep an open mind and keep our patience with us as we age and as our family ages. Absolutely. So thanks. I think this went pretty well, don't you? I think so too. <laughs> I feel like Tracy, our medical assistant, listened to our last blog and she mm-hmm. really liked it. So I, I'm hoping she'll like this one too. I think she will. This podcast <laughs> without judging us too much. But um, please feel free to email us at geriacademy at gmail.com or to um, message us on the blog with any other questions or recommendations for future podcast episodes. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and we will catch you next time. Bye everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Jerry Academy podcast. Learn more at jerryacademy.com or follow me on social media for information on future episodes.